0: Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. It's our 45th episode here on Nurses and Hypochondriacs, and I am ecstatic. I can't believe we made it this far. It's been an amazing journey and so, so much fun. We've had some pretty fascinating guests on who have been amazing, and I want to put a special thank you to all of them. I want to especially thank all the listeners who have been tuning in from episode one up till now, episode 45. If this is your first time listening, thank you as well. This episode is dedicated to the man behind the podcast, John Colum. He's pretty fascinating. He's our sound engineer, and I couldn't have produced a podcast without him. He's a paleontologist, a geologist, an EMS first responder. He's also a TV writer. He's a pretty fascinating, dude. So in this episode, we're gonna talk about John and how he had to travel out to the South Pacific to clean up toxic waste spills. He's going to tell us about a little bit about Agent Orange and writing for television. We're also going to be talking about podcast production and our favorite episodes thus far. So please tune in, and here we go. And welcome to the show, John Colum. Hi, Ursula. How are you? Great. How are you? And John is the man behind the magic. He's the man behind this amazing podcast. Without John, I couldn't do it. Aww. So
1: I you you so would have found thankful. some other you would have found some other slub behind the board.
0: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> nobody who could put up with me, and we kind of vibe really well. We're we're very intuitive together, and you know, in in. in It's been amazing so far, and this is episode forty-five. So, John,
1: I'm just gonna throw it to you. Let's just tell us about yourself. All right. Um, (laughs) Let's see. If I was gonna, if I was gonna quickly bio myself, Uh, let's see. I am a writer, um, emergency responder, paleontologist, geologist, and uh, I guess dog dad. I guess that's kind (laughs) of what I would. The other thing I throw on there. Um, Yeah. So I'm. and also a podcast producer, I guess, uh, which is probably the most I important. I
0: didn't know this. the first responder part. Okay. I just found out that paleontologist part, like a few yeah. weeks ago, you're like Ross from Friends.
1: Yeah. That show. <laughs> <laughs> so it, uh, I guess it all starts with, uh, I was one of those kids that grew up loving dinosaurs, um, particularly like Jurassic Park in 1993 changed my life where I was like, oh, this is a thing I want to do. And so uh, I went to college and while I was in college, when I first got there, I was uh, Playing water polo, and the coach was like, Hey, just sign up for any classes, uh, and we'll figure out what you're going to major in later. I said, Sure. So I signed up for dinosaurs, which sounded really awesome and easy. Uh, and then I just never changed my major. So I graduated with a degree in paleontology. Uh, and then, that being said, there's no uh, jobs in paleontology unless you want to work at a museum or you want to be a researcher, and those don't really uh, pay the bills. So I got a job as a geologist out of college, which is kind of a related field. Uh, and we do there, we were doing cleaning up chemical spills. A lot of corporations and industries spill chemicals in the water, uh, on the land. Surprise, things
0: like that. surprise! Right? Yeah, surprise. exactly.
1: And then from that, it kind of matured into. I found another position doing similar work where I do emergency response for chemical spills. Wow! So if there was like an explosion at an oil refinery, or you'd be surprised, but a lot of cases where people like poured chemicals in their home or try to do kind of uh off the back of cuff science projects and their like living room garage meth, right? exactly we do a lot of meth, uh, meth labs uh and when those when those people get busted the cops don't know how to deal with the chemicals so they call us in and we get suited up in the whole air tank suits and figure out how to get rid of the stuff
0: that's so fascinating i would tell people that i was working with that you were a geologist i was like yeah my sound engineer he's a geologist they're like that is the coolest thing ever <laughs> and sounds, you know, but yeah. what was it like going on to those sites? I mean, you are risking your life. You're risking your health.
1: Did you ever think about that? Or you were just like, I'm just doing a job? Well, when I, when I first, I started this job 10 years ago was when I first started. And 10 years ago, I was 25 years old and you kind of think you're invincible. And so you don't really think about it. You'd put the suit on and it kind of felt like a suit of armor you're like, Oh, this suit is, is airproof. I'm wearing air tanks. Uh, I understand the chemicals I'm dealing with. So it's not very scary. But then as I got older and I, you know, got engaged, you start to realize, Oh no, this is some scary shit sometimes. And so I, that's when I decided I was going to uh, kind of have to do something else. And it became, you know, we do a lot of wildfire work. So the wildfires in Malibu, um, up in Napa County, um, we go out and deal with, and I'd be gone for, you know, six, eight weeks at a time. Uh, dealing with chemicals. And after a while, it's just not a sustainable lifestyle. I was looking at a lot of people who are older than me still doing this job. And, you know, a lot of them were divorced or on their second marriages or had kids in college. And and it just sounded, that sounded like the wrong kind of avenue for my life. Um, wow. I mean, they were sending you to the South Pacific
0: as well, like way far out places.
1: Yeah, we did a couple of cool places I got to go to. I did a project. Uh, there's a place called Turn Island, which is in huh. the, uh, uh, French Frigate Shoals which is uh, a weird set of islands near uh, past Guam and basically what we did is we took a flight into Hawaii and then we took a three-day boat trip out to Turn Island and Turn Island is this World War II base that we created the United States Army created out of coral they like dug up wow. coral and turned it into they call it the coral carrier and they had been there since like the 30s and of course when they got done with the island they just kind of left all the chemicals there oh my and gosh. So we went out on the ship to sample and figure out what all those chemicals were. And it's uh, particularly out there. There's not people living out there cause it's such a small Island, but there's a bunch of uh, monk seals and sea turtles, which are endangered species, which had been exposed to all these chemicals. Oh so gosh, we scary. were out there sampling that. And then, and, and it's just like the most remote area in the world. You take this three day boat trip out into the middle of nowhere. Uh, and then you wake up, you know, on the third day and you're sitting outside this Island. Um, it was pretty pretty crazy, and then I did some work in Saipan and Guam, which are Pacific Islands out that way, and then a lot of work on like the Navajo uh, Native American reservations.
0: Interesting. What were you doing on the Navajo reservations?
1: So uh, again, so I worked basically for the US EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, and uh, the U.S. government has kind of a nasty history of really um, no, yeah, of, no of way. Taking, Taking native populations, putting them in bad areas. And like the Navajo reservation in particular, the two things I dealt with were radiation. So we dug up a bunch of uranium out there.
0: Oh my God. And
1: we dig- the United States digs up this rad- uh, radium or uranium. And when they're done with what they call tailings, which is like the extra rock that they pull out with it, they gave it back to the native people who would use it to like fill in their driveways and underneath their houses. But that's all radioactive rock.
0: Oh my God. So we God. go out.
1: We'd scan houses for them, and then places that were too radioactive, you'd knock their house down, dig it up, and then build them a new house. Wow. Um, And this was the U.S. federal government that was paying for this, but of course it was kind of like retribution for what the government had done. And then the other thing, which really kind of blew me away, and this was on the Apache Reservation, was back in the, like, 60s, we were testing – are you familiar with Agent Orange at all?
0: Yeah, a little bit.
1: Yeah, so Agent Orange was this, like, herbicide that was developed by the U.S. government and it was used in Vietnam because in Vietnam, kind of like you roundup. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which also relates to this case I was working on also relates to the roundup case, but basically the intent of agent orange is that you spray it all over these jungle areas and all the leaves fall off. So that, that way you can see people. They can't hide in the jungle. So we developed this pretty terrible chemical. It turns out it causes cancer and a few other things. And they were using it on the native American reservation to clear out waterways so they could get access to the river. Uh, so there's all these stories from Native people about planes flying overhead and just dumping Agent Orange all over their homes. Wow. Um, and not realizing, well, and maybe realizing, but not, not intentionally trying to poison them. But then you, you meet these families who, you know, their grandmother died at 40 and their father died at 25. You know, just like generational cancer um, plumes. Uh, all kind of what they think is related. So we were out there sampling the areas that were suspected to have Agent Orange contamination and trying to figure out if it was out there.
0: That is insane. It's like I see a book coming out of this.
1: We got oh. we got to
0: call uh, Mary Roach. We got yeah. get, I'll give you her email. You got to get together <laughs> with her and say, "Listen, Mary,
1: it's what I was doing." What yeah, do I, always, I, I Seven was seven-time like, New York the, Times
0: best-selling author.
1: People used to call us the Chemical Cowboys, and I think that's such a cool name. Oh my God, for, that's such a cool uh, name. You should do it. Book or I something? Yeah. You should. Chemical Cowboys. Do it as a book. So yeah, but it was, it was cool. So I'm I finally, after 10 years- It's
0: going to happen. <laughs>
1: uh, but uh, after 10 years, I finally uh, gave in my notice about three, four weeks ago, and now I am not doing that work anymore. It was super exciting. Um, every day was a different type of hazard and project, which is really cool. But as I said, I've just turned 35, and now it's a, little, it's a little like, can you do this dangerous stuff for the rest of your life?
0: Exactly. Well, good for you. And oh, uh, you. You, you got your dinosaur tattoo.
1: I did, yes. Yes, I saw <laughs> on Instagram. Very cool. Very thank cool. You. Yeah, that was, a, that was a little nod to, I'd always kind of hidden my paleontology from the world so I could do this geology job. And now I was like, oh, I'm done with that. I don't have to hide anymore. So I decided to put it right, you know, on my forearm where it can't be hidden anymore.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. So tell us about Hollywood and how you got interested in Hollywood. I mean, when you live in Hollywood, I was telling someone this the other day, uh, another creative director I had met that does sci-fi stuff and blows mm. up stuff. And he grew up in Hollywood much like myself in California, Los Angeles here. And it's like, you cannot get into the industry in it, it, some form. It's like a whiff of plumes of smoke and, and you have to do a little bit of something. Uh, and everybody that I almost, I know kind of does. So how did you come about to living here? Did you want to get into the Hollywood mystique or, you know, tell us about yeah. that part of yourself.
1: Yeah. So um, I was living. I moved to Chicago uh, almost ten years ago now, and the original intent out there was that's where comedy's done. I really right. love comedy. Second I, City, I grew up doing comedy. Yeah, Second City, the I.O. theaters. Uh, they're both big comedy institutions out there, and it's like basically eighty-five percent of the people you see on SNL went through one of those schools. Uh, and so I moved there. Uh, my brother and I moved there about the same time. Uh, we started doing improv and I was doing improv there for a little while. And I realized, Oh, I'm bad at comedy. I'm not a great, uh, improviser. I don't enjoy being on stage in front of people. Um, but I realized that if I had time to sit down and write a sketch out, um, that I, I was okay at that, that I was, that I, I did better than if I was doing it live. So I started writing and that's where I started writing, uh, TV pilots, just in my own free time. I was reading, we talked earlier about save the cat. Uh, there's another one called elephant bucks. There's all Elephant these books Fox. on. And,
0: Ooh, yeah, have to check that one out.
1: Elephant Bucks is written by I believe he was a, he was a writer for um, uh, Fraser, uh, but anyways wow. he ta- he talks about uh, what they call making a spec, which is writing an episode of a TV show that's currently on TV, and he teaches you how to do that. Oh, So cool. I just inhaled these books in Chicago, uh, and then started entering writing competitions. You know the Austin Film Festival. Ah. Uh, it, ABC's got a writing contest, uh, things like that. So I entered a bunch of them and I started getting placing. And so I thought, well, maybe I can do this for a living. Yeah. Uh So there was an opportunity to transfer my job to Los Angeles doing the same work for the same company, this emergency response work. And so I hopped on it and I moved out here. And then when I got out here, I got so busy working that I was writing on the side, but not really pursuing it. Um, and that's why, again, the, the opportunity came. My, uh, my lovely fiance, this woman named Benda Engelstoft, who I am a massive fan of. She and I met doing comedy in Chicago. Uh, we met like three months before. I swear the story's going somewhere. It sounds like it's all over the place. No,
0: no, it doesn't sound like it's all over the place. I'm following you, John.
1: Uh, but we we met. Uh, like That's a beginning, or four a middle, and an end god let's hope it has an end um but yeah we met like three months before i was planning to move to los angeles i had already found my place i was just wrapping up loose ends in chicago and then i met this wonderful girl and i'd been a fan of her on stage she's this in my opinion one of the best improvisers out of chicago it's
0: very funny because i've been seeing her sing the dog songs today yes instagram very funny Instagram is I, I, her. I, I just thought it was just, yeah, Instagram is her. Uh, she's really good Instagrammer. She's very funny. She does make fun of you. Yes. She's very funny <laughs> and very
1: sweet at the same time. Yes. So we, we met and we were like, oh, cool. We'll just have a little fling and then I'll go to LA and that'll be it. Uh, and we ended up at the end of my three months as I was moving, we decided we were going to be long distance and see how that worked. And then um, we were long distance for two years. And then she got an opportunity to work for CBS in their diversity comedy showcase. So oh, yeah. she moved out to Los Angeles. And then over the last couple of years, she got hired by The Ellen Show as a writer. And she did a full year there. And then after a year, we realized she was doing so well that I had yeah, the opportunity. Yeah, she won now. two Emmys. She did win two Emmys, yeah. It's a little weird. You're like, how do I bring this up without sounding like an ass? But she,
0: you don't yeah. sound like an ass. You have to be proud of that. She won two Emmys. That's amazing.
1: I'm so stinking proud of her. And now My we hairdresser
0: Emmys. won one. I mean, <laughs> won one, and he got um, he won one for Days of Our Lives, and he was nominated for Masters of Sex. No way. That one, yeah. He got nominated the last season. And uh, I always have a joke that I tell, um, it's one of these, one of my stories that I tell about this guy that I dated who was addicted to porn, and I mm-hmm. always say that, you know, I, I tried to get this guy to talk to me, um, kind of like a therapist, because I'm a, I, you know, I, I think of myself as a, a sex expert, because yeah. I have to talk to teenagers about sex all the time in clinic as a nurse practitioner. I took two semesters of the psychology of sex when I was in an undergrad and my professor, okay. he was nominated for an Emmy for Masters of Sex. So that's why I'm a sex expert. <laughs> so, you know. Anyway, for all of you listening out there who have not done comedy or writing, that's called the law of threes. Mm-hmm. There's something weird in there. Yeah, so, and as long as the I third mean,
1: one's weird and funny, you will yeah, laugh. Yeah, it's weird
0: and funny, you know. It, it, we're, it It's worked pretty well on stage. I even told my hairdresser, and he just started laughing. He's like, what does me, have, when, you know, being nominated for an Emmy, have anything to do with you being a sex expert? I go, exactly. It has nothing, <laughs> but it's just funny. <laughs> you know, it's weird, so whatever
1: um, okay you were yeah, saying so-,
0: so she won two emmys you got to go to two emmy award shows
1: yeah which, which was surreal because it's like you know we're, we're we're nobodies we we she's been has been here for three years now and she's been doing comedy but on a low level you know a lot of io stuff nothing uh huge but then suddenly we're thrust into this emmy world and we we you know, she rented a dress and I rented a tux. And you you're out there with all these people who've done, especially on the Ellen show, you know, they've won a handful of Emmys over the years. Um, so a lot of them have done this every year. They've been nominated. Uh, they don't always win, but they've been nominated. And so just a bunch of people that are like, oh, it's four hours. It's really boring. Uh, you know, I hope you brought something to read. And <laughs> and it sounds like they're joking, but we're sitting in the Ellen section, and some of them are wa- one of them was watching Parks and Rec on his phone during oh the Emmys. Gosh. And you're like, "Oh wow, you people have done this for too long." Um, but then the writers came up; they were they were uh, nominated, and again, they hadn't won in like five years. So we didn't; we were told we're not going to win. Don't worry about it. And they won, and everybody went nuts. And suddenly, it was the best nights of their lives. And then we nice. went to, to yeah, we went to the daytime Emmys, and they won best show. Uh, and Benda's considered a producer on that. So she got a second Emmy for that. And so it was very cool. Cause again, they hadn't won in years. Um, yeah. So anyway, so they re-signed That's Benda. living
0: the Hollywood dream right there. Yeah. Right there. And Not expecting it, you know, because so many people come here and I mean, I was, I was born and raised here, you know, and my, both my brother and my father were in the business. I mean, they weren't in production. My brother was in production, but my father was not. He was the maintenance guy, but he knew a lot of producers and directors and he was always on set and stuff like that. He was just that silent guy. Um, but, you know, it, there's these people that come here and, and just are so hungry and nothing ever comes of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you guys are like, oh, we're just going to hang out and have fun and enjoy yourselves and see what happens. And then, bam, it's just like,
1: that's it all pretty awesome. Comes at once. I'm always fascinated yeah. by. Uh, kind of Hollywood locals, and I, you'd be considered one of those. Uh, yeah. I think I was in I was in a lift the other day, and the driver, he and I were just chit chatting, and he's been in LA his entire life, and it's just funny to talk to people that it, grew up in LA. But like you said, they're butted up against the industry, but not necessarily in it. And what a weird what a weird lifestyle, you know? Because no one else in the world is like this.
0: No, uh, I mean, my cousin came here, and I made him go because he learned how to speak English from watching Friends. <laughs> so. And uh, so I was like, hey, Warner Brothers is just down the street from me. They have a friend set. I think you should go on the tour. So he went on the tour, and he took a picture on the friend set and and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, he was like, this is so amazing. I mean, I I was like, yeah, nowhere in the world can you get all of this and the ocean and the mountains with it. I mean, I've worked on set a few times as well as um, a set nurse. I've also done costumes uh, and stuff. It just kind of is part of the – atmosphere it's just kind of like oh hey you want to do this all right sure you know I'll do it you know yeah And uh, it's it's kind of that sim- I mean for me like I said um, growing up I grew up watching movies filmed right across the street from my house you know we'd always have there was filmings all over the place um, mm-hmm. and then one day it kind of stopped because it was too expensive and then thankfully it all started up again and uh, my dad used to work at Technicolor, which was right in back of Universal Studios. And he would be like, hey, you want to go to Universal Studios today? You know, I'll, I'll let you in for free, you know, and open the back door. And we'd walk around Universal Studios and stuff. So, yeah, we're That's like, Where's cool. Steven Spielberg. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, and, and, it, and it's just like normal. And you see movie stars, you're just like, hey, yeah, that's Gwen Stefani having lunch right across from me. Or, I mean, you know, whoever. and uh, Or Mario Lopez, because he lives in Burbank, and you would see him all the time. And uh, it's just normal, you know? You're just like, oh, well. Part that's of so living u- in
1: Hollywood in Los Angeles. That's so unique. Well, and that's kind of, it's, it's been weird. Uh, Benda's parents are both uh, foreign. She's a first-generation American. Her dad's from Denmark, and her mom's from Mexico. So they didn't grow up with like traditional American Hollywoodness. So for them, they're very much like, oh, our daughter has an Emmy. When are you going to win your Oscar? Like they don't understand <laughs> what, a, <laughs> what a like weird occurrence this is. So for them to yeah. just like, well, obviously she'll win an Oscar next. And I'm like, hopefully, but you know, let's, let's pump the brakes a little. Give her some time to settle.
0: Oh my God. They actually said that.
1: How funny. Yeah. <laughs> High expectations. Yeah. Again, that's that foreign parent thing where they're like, yeah, of course she'll win an Oscar. I'm like, okay yeah. we're, we're rooting for it possibly possibly um, or you will
0: or it'll be like a combination husband wife thing you never know that
1: would be awesome that would um, probably be awesome but yeah so then now uh like i said now that she's doing so well i'm for the opportunity of, of stepping away from my work and i'm pursuing writing full-time and pr- producing podcasts um the downside being uh because I have no connections, you know what I mean? My wife is obviously a connection, but I don't want to abuse that. I'm starting from the absolute ground zero. I'm a production assistant, a PA at a production house right now. And I'm having a blast, but I'm also That's like the so oldest fun. PA by 10 years. Everybody else is like 25. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's, it's also easy to be great because you don't – I didn't screw up the lunch order this week, so they're going to call me back to come work tomorrow. That's um, how it works. Yeah, but it's, it, you know, it's 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 definitely, you have to check your ego uh, starting at the very bottom.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just having fun while you're there, you know? You're just like, yeah, I'm having fun, you know? And you're just like, oh, okay, because that's when things happen to you, when you're open and you're like, okay, I'm open to opportunity today, whatever's going to happen, I'm on set, someone sees you or someone hears about what you're doing, hey, uh, you know, can you do this for me? And, and, and that's just how it happens. I mean, yeah. Uh, look at me. I met someone on a Tinder date who hired me as a consultant and now I wrote a script. Yeah. I was just like, whoa, now I'm <laughs> writing scripts for this like ER type uh, video for this sales company for marketing. I was just like, okay, use yeah. my playwriting and save the cat
1: skills. Yeah. Money well, spent. <laughs> well And, and it just, just kind of happens. Yeah, and and it's funny because it's like compared to my old career, the other day uh, the lunch order came and they didn't include chicken for this producer, which is, you know, you're like, oh, well, I'll just go eat some more chicken. But this was like the worst thing that had ever happened to this man because the way he flipped out about not having chicken on his salad. Right, because in Hollywood, nobody dies. In my
0: world, people die. Exactly. I was telling this other guy uh, that I met, uh, the same thing. I was like, in my world, people die. So when people freak out, you're like, all right. Okay. But when Hollywood, I could never understand that when I was on set, I'd be like,
1: okay, why are you freaking out? Nobody's dying. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so- well, and that's it. And this guy was like upset at me and I was like, Hey, uh, you, uh, I'm so sorry. I'll get it figured out right away. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is the easiest thing I've ever done. Nobody, like you said, no, nobody's <laughs> life is on the line. I'm not wearing You're not. You're not
0: cleaning up spills, you know, uranium shit. Like, no. I was like, cool, I'll go to Tennessee and get you
1: some chicken.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this guy's pissed because his chicken order is messed up. You were cleaning up the fucking planet. And this guy is going ballistic because his chicken order was messed up.
1: Really? so it just it just kind of puts it all in perspective and i'm like great it's you know uh water off a duck's back i believe is the phrase
0: yeah and you just kind of it when i'm on set it just makes me laugh yeah you know and i'm just like whoa if these people only knew or yeah. if i'm sitting on a meeting and people are going on and on about just weird stuff and i'm just like seriously nobody's dying that's my i'm gonna write a book <laughs> nobody's dying you know and uh yeah. stuff but yeah Well, I am so glad, you know, that you have opened up the path and you're following your creative. It's fun. It's challenging, you know, but like you said, when you step back and you just have fun with it, that's when all stuff happens, uh, as you've seen so far in your life. Cool.
1: So you, okay, I've I've been really lucky to work with you and I'm not trying to, uh, just inflate your ego at all, but. Um, I produce podcasts, it's one of the things I do kind of on the side for, you know, more experience and more fun, and working with you now for 45 episodes has been uh, a bit of a dream as a producer, because, you know, we got you, you came in with a solid idea, we started the show, uh, and I was producing, you know, with you on Sunday mornings for a little while, and then- Yeah, you- that was fun, the brunch in my living room. Yeah.
0: Uh, th- those were interesting. I, I did like the one-on-ones, you know? Yes which were a lot of fun. Uh, but then we switched to Zoom uh, just to make it easier for all of us because of time and to get more podcast production and to get a lot of our guests are halfway around the world. So yeah. sometimes like in India or London or
1: uh, North Hollywood, I don't know. <laughs> but And then you, you basically took this thing and ran with it in the best possible way and have made my job as a so producer much. very, very easy. Cause I, literally now you just kind of tell me what you want edited and what, and then I mix it and we put it up. So um, I, as a producer, I feel very lucky that I get to work with you.
0: Well, I'm uh, so lucky as well. and Thank you so much for the compliments. It's, it's been a journey. It's been a lot of learning and, you know, um, and sometimes it's very, very intuitive, like our, getting our last guest, which I I'm so blown away on how we did the gun violence. It was like, Oh, I'm looking for a drag queen. You helped. And I was just like, nah, nobody's showing up. And I, I kind of wanted the drag queen to be on episode one. But my mm-hmm. friend Jim does talk a lot. I mean, so it was actually okay to do it as a two-parter. And then all of a sudden, last minute, I find a drag queen. And I was like, oh, cool. And I don't even know anything about this drag queen, Marina Mack. But it happens that... Not only was Marina Mack a Marine, served yep. in two disciplines of the military, was very knowledgeable about gun violence, but he had also been in Ohio doing a show where that politician was from that was dissing drag queens. I was yeah. like, whoa, couldn't get a better <clears throat> guess than that. And I just, yeah. on Facebook, someone was like, hey, Marina Mack, he's very opinionated,
1: go for it, and got it, and we, it, it was just. Great show. Very yeah. Fun. I, w- I wanted to ask you, Wally, what what's your, you've done now 45 episodes yes. and I've listened to all of them. What do you, what's your favorite show? What sticks out at you as your favorite show you've done so far?
0: God, my favorite, I, you know, I love all my guests. I think all of them are my favorite. Um, and the more creative, and the more, kind of cockamamie i try to get those are the best shows but i did really love the um charles graber show about learning about the uh what is it called the murderer the uh, serial killer which i thought was very fascinating because i like the psychology and how he was a journalist and he pursued this guy for six years uh until he finally got him to talk and he wrote a book and it became a bestseller. And it's now becoming a movie, which is very fascinating. And he lives in Nantucket. That's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, did, I do love the Charles Graber episode. Uh, and um, I do also love uh, the uh, – oh, gosh. I can't remember her name now. The other New York Times bestseller, Mary Roach. There we go. Mary Roach. So Mary Roach. I love because she was my first New York times bestselling author that I got on the show and i was so psyched to have her on and she was so pleasant and because I'm a writer and I love to write. So that's why I love having these authors on and they were the nicest people. I mean, yeah. uh, no ego. They just really wanted to talk. And um, even Charles Graber started to interview me. So I think those have to be my favorites. But like I said, I love every show. Um, I do love my very first show on tuberculosis with T. uh, And I love T's story. uh, And and it's great because that's what I love. I love having patient stories on uh, and hopefully going on, hoping to get more of those um, people who have done plays or people who have created art through their illness, Mm -hmm. having them to come on and talk about what they're doing and as we're evolving with rogue nurse media as a nonprofit, we're hoping to go and uh, do some museum exhibits with these artists and putting up their art that they've done through their illness which is very fascinating so yeah lots of awesome stuff to come but how about you which have been your favorites i know there have been some wild ones (laughs) I was going to say learned a lot about me. It's almost like a therapy session for me. I was like, what do I want to learn about or what do I need to explore within myself and I get that person on. Yeah. And um and it's very interesting but then other people come up to me and they're like, "You know, that episode about this, I really learned a lot and I could relate." And so they'll relate to me, and which is really the purpose of the podcast you know is so that it will click something in someone's brain and they'll learn something from it and it'll help them with their life somehow uh, yeah make it better
1: it it's funny because you talk as a producer uh it feels like I know so much more about you I know (laughs) because it's like I've listened to 45 (laughs) episodes of you I talk to you you know every other week or so it's just interesting because I know it feels like I know so much about you just from your shows um a couple that this really is why
0: we're doing this show about you because i don't know that much like i find out something very interesting every time i talk about you and, yeah. and i'm like let's just do a show about john <laughs> <laughs>
1: um i would say a couple episodes that always stick out to me i really enjoyed the uh, circumcision the two-part episode
0: oh yeah it's a great one with the rabbi because you and yeah you bring out both
1: sides right which is really right. fascinating um right, and and they that, were
0: both great guests Dr. Yeah. George and the rabbi. Oh, excellent.
1: Yes. Very opinionated,
0: also- very strong on their, their stances. And, and Dr. George kind of got a little bit conspiracy theory, which is awesome. I love that part, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. with his uh, Korean War. No, it was like the Japanese War um, scenario on how they did some type of testing and stuff. Very fascinating. Go back and listen to that episode, Circumcision, Cut It or Leave It, parts one and two. Yes.
1: And then the Vapor Rub one, um, just because that one was full of comedy. That one made me laugh so stinking hard. Um, The Vapor Rub episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Esmeralda is great. Uh, New York Times, or LA Times uh, journalist. So she, great writer. Uh, I follow a lot of her stuff now. Um, So she writes a lot about Latino culture, which is very interesting and Mm -hmm. very true to Los Angeles. So, yeah. All great episodes. Well, I'm so excited for the future and lots more stuff to come. Uh, We're collaborating with other companies uh, using our platforms. We're growing as much as we can, and we have lots of great, exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. And I'm so glad you're joining on as co producer. And, you know, and and we're really going forward and um, coming together and pushing this to make it bigger and better.
1: Awesome. And, and again, thank you so much. And I encourage everyone to go back. Find, if you haven't heard but you don't have to listen to all 45, obviously. That would be great. Go that would be great. Find, listen to all 45. <laughs> find some topics that really interest you. And that'll be an entree into this. And then start exploring topics that maybe you didn't think were all that interesting. And I guarantee you'll listen to the episodes and find them fascinating. Yeah. And we're always
0: open to suggestion. I mean, we're, I try to do hot topics. You know, whatever is trending in the media with the whole shootings, which I thought those last two episodes were really great um, and very true. Like I said, the drag queen, I was like, where could I find a drag queen that was a Marine? Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, and and stuff like that. So that's what this podcast is all about, is just bringing the usual and the unusual together and, and making a story from it and having it true to healthcare and true to the nursing profession. So
1: Yeah, Definitely.
0: Cool. Anything else you'd like to add, John?
1: I don't think so. Like I said I'm, I'm just happy to be part of this. And uh, if if you guys have an interesting topic, please reach out to us. We there's an email address that are in the show notes every week. And I also uh, Ursula writes really good show notes, so feel free to read those every time you listen to the episode because you'll find interesting. Uh, I do have topic. some
0: misspellings the in them, but hey, I, my this whole show is about not really being perfect,
1: so yeah. Damn it, she's a nurse, <laughs> not a speller. That's not. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, I'd encourage you guys. There's an email address in there. Send in some topics. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and what you guys want to listen to.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much, John. And keep listening, nurses and hypochondriacs. Bye-bye.